Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Strip Sports Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Great interview coming up shortly with Ben Gessling, our Vikings beat writer, including the introduction of a new segment that will be in the running for my favorite segment, uh, at least a recurring one, as we go along. But first, uh, what did you miss? You know, there wasn't a whole lot of live action last night, but kind of the news story that I have my eye on right now is Major League Baseball is messing with the baseball. Again, we see a memo from Major League Baseball to all the teams saying they're going to deaden the ball. It seems like it will be something in the neighborhood of balls will go two feet less far if they're, you know, kind of home run distance. And what does that mean exactly? Well, you know, a lot of smarter people than me, and certainly people smarter than Rob Manfred, have already estimated that home runs could drop by 5% this year, which, you know, sounds like a relatively small number. Maybe it's a correction in the right direction because balls were certainly hopping, uh, especially in 2019. But overall, what it means is baseball's messing with the ball again, and they, they refused to admit this several years ago, especially 2019, when everybody could see, science could say, this is what's happening. You, you made the balls fly further. Rob Manfred's like, no, 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 we didn't. Well, the bigger problem to me, though, is just that baseball keeps tweaking the ball and has not wanted to admit it, that they that they are manipulating a part of the game. You know, let's just make one ball, let's settle on it for the rest of time, and let's stop messing with it, um, and then everybody can be happy. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. All right. Super happy to be joined right now by Ben Gessling, Vikings beat writer. lot to get to today, uh, including news this week. Um, Vikings make it official on Tuesday that uh, Clint Kubiak, son of Gary Kubiak, is their new offensive coordinator ben you know right off the bat um you know this is a move that establishes a little bit of continuity anyway clint kubiak is the quarterback's coach last season we're we're guessing that he is going to do a lot of the same things as his dad did but are there any indications that he will bring any new flavors to the offense any different ideas um than than just kind of run it back well he said some of the i think some things to that extent when he talked to us on Tuesday, just in the sense of if you're not evolving, you're, you're getting worse. And I think that's some of what is going to be so interesting about this is that the assumption is going to be that everything kind of stays the same because of who his dad is and, and where he's been in the scheme. And I, I think there's certainly going to be, you know, the, the thumb on the scale to keep things the same in the sense that Mike Zimmer wants it to be, very similar to what it was, but yeah, I, I think the big question is going to be, the, I don't think the scheme changes much. The question would be the, does the, do the play calling tendencies change? Does the sort of preponderance of runs on second and long become as big of a thing as it was this year, or do we see some of that get a little bit of a different look? I, I, I'm curious to see how he develops. I'm curious to see how, much room he gets to develop as a play caller because it has not been perhaps the most liberating place for coordinators <laughs> to call plays in, in recent years. And we do and, have a lot uh, of different examples of We have a lot of different examples. Yes. Uh, you can pick whatever flavor you like and, 
and see how that's worked out. But I think the thing that is interesting to watch is how much his relationship, not just with his dad, but his relationship with Kevin Stefanski maybe molds some of what he's done. Cause he obviously worked for Kevin Stefanski in 2019 it really worked with Kevin a lot in 2013 when he was here before Mike Zimmer came to town. And, and I think has a lot of similar outlooks on football to Kevin Stefanski as well. And that certainly is going to mean a heavy reliance on the run, but do you see some things, you know, maybe a few more three receiver sets, maybe a little more play action than we saw last year, that the amount of play action we saw dropped off, I think under Gary Kubiak from what we saw with Kevin Stefanski. So some of those things, I'm curious to see if there's a little bit of a different flavor to some of these things in, uh, in 2021. Basically the same age as Kirk Cousins, right? Like a year older. Is that, is that right? He's 33, yes. 33 Kirk's 32. I yes. imagine the relationship there must be good. You wouldn't hire the, uh, your quarterback's quarterback coach to be your offensive coordinator. If not, what, what do we know about how those two work together? Yeah. I mean, the relationship, as far as I can tell, has been quite strong the last two years. I, I think they have a lot in common in terms of uh, their outlook on the world, I think is, is very similar in a lot of ways They're the same age They're I think Kirk has had a lot of respect for the Kubiaks in general and just their legacy in the NFL. So I think he, I think Clint comes into this job with a fair amount of buy-in from his quarterback. And it's worth noting that because Mike Zimmer said at the end of the season, to me, your offense should be what your quarterback does best. This is a move to me that suggests we are trying to optimize Kirk cousins. We are trying to, get as much out of him as we can and continue to build the offense around him while we have him here. So if they were going to do something drastically different, I don't think it would have been as simple as, I mean, we were, we were reporting this several weeks ago right. and hearing several weeks ago, this was going to be the direction. They talked to Tyke Tolbert from the giants um, in this process. But even at that point we were hearing, and I think reporting that, it was going to be Clint Kubiak with Andrew Janoko becoming the quarterback's coach. So there was kind of this continuity already in place. And I think even Gary Kubiak was sort of positing that as a succession plan, even, even late last season. I've heard a little bit that Gary was saying, if I do retire, this is how I would like it to go. And obviously that's how it's gone. So I think a lot of those things speak to, they still feel like they have, a structure in place that they could win with from play caller to scheme to personnel. And all it is left to do is probably to execute a little bit better on offense. And certainly as Mike Zimmer, I think said last week on good morning football, fix the defense. You probably don't make this move. If you are a team that in the eyes of fans is about to trade Kirk cousins, you've basically done a lot of things to maximize or optimize Kirk cousins. Like you say, is that, accurate ben i know there's a lot of fun Kirk cousins chatter um i'm guilty of it i even did a blog post tuesday about russell wilson just for fun but um this this all this realistically seems like they're gearing up to run it back in 2021 and try to do it a little bit better yeah i think that's true i it would be surprising to me if you make all these moves and you say what they've said about Kirk cousins and you then turn around and trade him. Now, if a team comes around and says, hey, here's a, here's a first-round pick, here's 
Um, yeah, another pick of some value, second, third. I, you know, it's hard to sit here and say exactly what the offer would be, but if, if somebody said, here's a first round pick plus something else for Kirk Cousins, I think you'd have to listen pretty intently to that. But short of that, it's hard for me to see anything changing. And I, I certainly don't think if their intent were to move on from Kirk Cousins, I don't think you make this sort of quick handoff and bake in the scheme staying the same unless you think that you're going to be the same team. Because if you do that and you trade Kirk Cousins, you're saying we want a quarterback that is not Kirk Cousins but has a fairly similar skill set to Kirk Cousins. And there are enough teams that play a similar scheme to this that you could find some guys around the league. But I think the odds – you have to do quite a bank shot, I think, to get there to say – we're going to keep all these things in place and then, Oh, watch out. We're going to switch the quarterback. It would seem to me at this point and, and everything I've heard is that the chatter is, is just chatter. I think it's probably safe to say at this point that the Vikings have no intent of trading Kirk Cousins. Where's the money Brzezinski. Now that sound you, you may have just heard that is a, uh, a signal of our new recurring segment, hopefully on this podcast with Ben, that is a homage to both the, salary cap prowess of Vikings executive Rob Brzezinski and an homage to the 1998 comedy uh, Big Lebowski. Um, we're the only podcast probably that combines both of those things. I didn't put the toilet flush into the, into the sounder. I thought about it. I was like, that's maybe a bridge too far. Um, but hopefully we're going to do kind of a bit on this off season um, looking at the salary cap. Cause I love when Ben gets deep into the weeds on the salary cap. And I want to ask specifically about, the offensive line. Cause that's my, that's my several years pet project. Um, what they're, they're constrained a certain amount this off season. I saw something the other day, maybe it was a Schefter tweet that suggested the cap might be a little bit higher than we imagined it to be maybe in the 180 to $181 million range. Maybe we can start there. What does that, is that a meaningful thing or is that pretty close to what they were guessing it would be anyway? Well, I think when you're in the spot the Vikings are in, yeah, all of it's meaningful. I mean, that's that's five to six million dollars, probably more than we were talking about. A lot of the numbers that people have been using, certainly the ones that I've been using, have been 175. So if you're talking 180 to 181, that probably buys you another player. That that may be a lot of your draft class in terms of cap space to to have that much. I mean, that basically takes us from talking about needing to cut 12 something million dollars of cap space to something probably in the seven to eight million dollar range which is still nothing to just say oh it's no big deal but it makes it easier it it probably makes it so that you can at least get yourself under the cap with one move potentially or you can get yourself in position to have a little bit of wiggle room in free agency with a couple moves given what you may see around the league with veterans getting cut and potentially looking for places to play that require them to sign affordable deals. If there's a little bit more room that allows the Vikings to get in on some of those players, I certainly think that's a valuable distinction. Ben, let's say I'm a guy who really wants to upgrade the offensive line because I am. Um, what, you know, how, how do you get there? What, what are, how, what would be the sequence of events that would allow them to actually create enough space to to, to actually afford not just draft picks, but some meaningful free agent, you know, whether it's a guard, whether it's a tackle and Riley reef slides, how, how do you, how do you get there 
if if you're talking about you know a meaningful upgrade and how much do those guys cost i would say you're in terms of how you get there you're probably talking about three to four moves that i see being the most likely i guess and almost all of those allow you to keep the players you have i think kyle rudolph would probably be the one guy that you look at and say it doesn't make a ton of financial sense for him to be here on his current contract and given some of his recent comments about the role and what that probably will look like in the future, I think it's reasonable to suggest that he may be gone. So that if that happens, saves you about four and a half million dollars. So if you do that and then you look at potentially restructuring a guy like Anthony Barr, that's going to be an interesting one to me. I think Anthony Barr is here. I, from what I've heard, I think, I mean, we've talked about it on access yeah. Vikings, but yeah. the value the Vikings place on him is a lot higher. I think than a lot of people do. So I, I think he's here. I think potentially that gets restructured to save them a little bit of money, but I, I do think he's here. I think Riley reef, that's an interesting one to me because it's sort of been assumed that you cut him and you save like $11 million if you do it. So then I want to improve the offensive line. I don't want to make it worse. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the question, right? I mean, if you cut him, then you open yourself to the problem of we need a left tackle. Yeah, and, and he wasn't a great tackle last year, but he no, was fine. He was the by far the least of their problems. He was. He was durable. He was, I think, healthier than he's been. I thought he played more consistently than he has. And he made it so that you did not see Ezra Cleveland play left tackle for a single snap, which I think creates a little bit of leverage for him because you don't quite know what your succession plan looks like there. I, I think it's possible that instead of cutting him, you extend him for a couple of years, allow yourself to get a little bit of cap space back while keeping Ezra Cleveland at guard, especially if you like Ezra Cleveland at guard, I could see this being the scenario where you do that, you save a little bit of money on reef. And then you say, we really only need one guard at that point to think that we're going to be in a better spot. If we assume Ezra Cleveland is better, if we assume Garrett Bradbury is better, that that's getting to be a harder I think bridged across given what we've seen from he's, Garrett Bradbury this first couple had, of years. He's had better games and worse games. He's just, under, yeah. he's, he's never going to be, he's, he's always going to get, he's undersized, right? He's just not as yeah, big as a lot of centers. And that's a problem when you face a really stout, you know, defensive tackle, which they face yeah. a lot in Chicago and green Bay. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's going to continue to be an issue. So you have to figure that out. But I think going into 2021, you assume he's still the center. So if you extend Reef, perhaps you restructure bar, restructure bar, cut Rudolph. And then the other one I would keep an eye on is Shamar Stefan because they save almost $4 million and they, they talk up Shamar Stefan a lot. But if you're looking for a three technique tackle and you assume Michael Pierce is back as your nose, I could see that being a spot where you either try to upgrade in the draft or go get somebody else. So that, that would be the other one I think I'd keep an eye on. But if you do those things, you're basically probably talking about having in the neighborhood of $10 million, I think to play with Harrison Smith, I guess would be the other one I mentioned is a possible extension there. So I think there are enough levers to pull, especially if the cap ends up where it is, where they're talking about it being that you could get under the cap and give yourself a little bit of wiggle room without doing a ton of damage to your roster. It's interesting. So there's a, there's a way and that, does that include, you're still signing your draft class, obviously, does that, are we subtracting the the money it costs to, well, they're going to trade all those picks anyway for Deshaun Watson. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, and then you got to figure in the dead cap for Kirk. 
when they do all of that. So that that <laughs> changes the picture. A well, and, that, bit and that's funny because I want to. I think people get confused as they as they go through the machinations of these Kirk trade fantasies. Can you remind people how how this works and you know you know especially even like bringing somebody else in because we've talked about this again uh, Ben and I with Andrew Kramer on the Access Vikings podcast every week during the season they do a, a post game show and we do it every other week or so during the off season but you know the the Kirk thing the the salary cap implications of trading him basically mean 20 million dollars of dead cap on your yes. cap in 2021 because that's how much signing bonus you still owe him correct correct yeah so signing bonuses get spread over the life of the contract for two reasons it makes it so that you don't have to cut this big check to a player and count it all against your cap in the first year. And it also benefits the player because of this. It, it's a, a thing players like to have because you sit here and say, well, they're not going to cut me because they have to eat a lot of money to do it. So it, it's insurance in some ways for players. And it's also a way for them to get a big check up front, or at least half of a big check. Usually teams cut these things in two so that owners don't have to write a check for $30 million. Cause even if you're rich enough to own an NFL team, that's a big check. So cause in cousins case, he actually gets the second half of his signing bonus in cash this year. So that's the reason teams do it. But then what that, what happens is you spread the hit of that out over the life of the contract. It, it's, it amortizes like your mortgage does it, it, it all, it's the cap in different uh, payments, essentially. Am I going to be paying for Kirk Cousins for 30 years, Ben? Come on. Well, um, his contract is probably worth more, more than most of our mortgages. It so, is. Yeah, it is. It yeah, is. I mean, most of us aren't buying 65, no. 80, $96 million houses no. or whatever he makes. Um, yeah, so, you know, it, and it, but it, you pay it off quicker, I guess. So it's, it's not a 30-year thing. It's three, but you got to yeah. have the money to pay in three. But yeah, it makes it so that all of that, all of the signing bonus, he had a $30 million signing bonus. So 10 million of that hit the cap last year, 10 million would hit this year and 10 million would hit in 2022. What happens though, if you trade him is all of then that cap, that extra 20 million, the bonus from this year and the bonus from next year hits the cap immediately. So that goes on to, your salary cap for this season and you're out from under it by next year, but it makes it so that you have $20 million of your cap space locked up in a player that is not on your roster. You save the money from not paying cousin the full $31 million he's due against the cap. You only pay him 20, but the problem that it creates is there's nobody to play quarterback and yeah. you have to find somebody else to play quarterback for the same amount of you know 11 million dollars or whatever you have left which gets tougher to do if, if you have a guy in the draft that you want to play right away then it's not an issue but the the problem that it tends to create is the cap space is great but you still have to fill those jobs and yeah. that's an important one to fill and right. i'm not sure i see a ton of scenarios where the vikings would look at it and say yeah let's let's do it this is worth it yeah and that's the only reason that the deshaun watson fantasy is even we've even talked about it as much as it is because his cap number Houston has to eat a lot of that in 2021. His cap number, if he got traded here, would only be about nine or ten million dollars. Yes. So that that it's part the, of it, that part of it makes sense. The contract always eats the bonus. Right. So that's why the Vikings would take the twenty million dollars. That's why Deshaun Watson wouldn't be as big of a deal coming here because the Texans would eat the bonus. 
all in all, I think you're right. I think the Kirk Cousins, you know, Kirk Cousins was far from the biggest problem. We've talked that through. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the, the last thing, I guess, is are we, how soon then are we talking about a possible Cousins restructure if he really is the guy? Is that a way also to free up uh, some additional space? Or do you want to see that play out more since they just did that basically a year ago? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I I tend to think that we are looking at that. I don't think it happens this year. I think the way it's set up, you would have to basically bite. So by the third day of the league year, his 2022 base salary becomes guaranteed. His 2021 is already guaranteed, but the rest of his contract effectively becomes guaranteed on March 19th. So if you were going to do something, this year, you're you're making him say, okay, um, I'm going to give up basically another two years of guaranteed money for something else to give you guys some cap space back. And we saw that last year where he said, sure, great, but I want to get something out of it. I don't think he is given to doing hometown discounts. And he, I think he alluded to that a little bit. I think he was on the radio during the Super Bowl and kind of alluded to that a little bit too, that I want to play out my contract and I want to maximize the value of that and he has earned the right to do that we've seen it over really two of these contracts it's it's been interesting for him it's been interesting to watch I guess because he has played the quarterback thing a little bit differently than a lot of players do he has not done the six or seven year deal where it's all this long-term security but then you don't get the guaranteed money and then you're maybe in this boat that Aaron Rodgers is in where it's like I don't have any left and I want to know how much you guys still love me what I'm worth to you going forward Cousins hasn't played it that way. He said, I will take the shorter deals in exchange for all of this thing is going to be guaranteed. And I'll bet on the fact that in three years, either you want me or somebody else does. And when you look at the quarterback market in the NFL, it's a pretty good bet. So it's worked for him. And I think it makes it so that you're probably looking at another extension. If you, if he's here, I think next year, because that, that cap number in, in 2022 $45 million. $45 million. It, million. it no is way. the highest in the NFL by like $6 million bucks that year, I think, which I, I believe Patrick Mahomes, if I'm not mistaken, comes in uh, number two. And actually, it's not even Patrick Mahomes. It's Matt Ryan, uh, who I don't think will be playing in that contract no. No. as it stands. But yes, Cousins is the highest in the NFL in 2022. So that, the way it's written to me, is in there as a trigger. It, yeah. It's meant to get both teams or both sides back at the bargaining table to say, okay, let's talk about what the next two, three years look like. And I think he's been content to play it that way. It's earned him some leverage. I, it's an interesting way for him and his agent, Mike McCartney, to, to handle it. And I think he's reaped the benefits of it financially. So, um, yeah, I, I do think we're headed towards that again. I would be surprised if it happens before this season, but I certainly think before next year, if he's still here, you're probably looking at doing something, and then that maybe extends your commitment to him a little further. If you're looking to get cap space back, you have to maybe put a couple more years on there. Ben, awesome stuff. Nobody knows the Vikings cap as well as you do, with the possible exception of Rob Brzezinski. Thank you so much for joining the show today and let's do this again relatively soon maybe around the time that uh, these decisions are actually being made and uh, yeah so we can take another look it's probably down there somewhere (laughs) awesome thanks man thanks mike so i got an email from a listener named tim the other day he said 
I think a recurring segment called This Might Sound Like a Dumb Question would be helpful and informative. I'm sure all sports fans have some type of questions that they may be afraid to ask, as it might sound like a dumb question. For example, I have never understood sports gambling. I would love to listen or read something about how to understand betting lines and the like. I like this idea. Um, I don't know how often we'll we'll do it or how often people would have what they might consider a quote-unquote dumb question, but I'd love to hear them from you um, either you know, on Twitter at Ranball, um, you can find my email address uh, pretty easily on, on on a lot of platforms. It's mrand at starchimmune.com. Um, so let's let's take a let's take a run through the gambling question quick. Uh, I'll try to explain some of the basics of sports gambling. I'm I'm not a big sports gambler. I've done it a few times in Vegas, uh, just for you know for for amusement. But uh, I do know at least uh, the basics of it. So here we go. Point spreads are pretty simple. If you see a line that says, say, Vikings minus three against Green Bay, that means Minnesota is a three-point favorite. Now, if you're making a traditional point spread bet on the Vikings, you are wagering that they will beat the Packers by more than three points. Conversely, a bet on the Packers as three-point underdogs means you are betting on Green Bay to either win or lose by a very close game. Uh, fewer than three points. So, for instance, if a Vikings rookie kicker misses a whole bunch of kicks in this scenario and the game ends up a tie, a bet on Green Bay is a win. Let's talk about the money line quick. You're a better, you're betting on a win or a loss, period. No point spread. So in those cases, you can wager on extreme long shots with unfavorable odds, but big payoffs, or conversely, extreme favorites with a low reward. So example, Wednesday night's game, tonight's game, the Wolves are nine-point underdogs against the Clippers. You see that Paul George isn't playing for Los Angeles, so instead of betting on the Wolves and taking the points, thus ensuring a wagering victory, even if they lost by eight points or fewer, you want to bet on them to win outright. So you can bet the money line, which is plus 320, meaning you would win $320 just by betting $100. But you would lose your money if they, you know, couldn't hold a stupid fourth quarter lead and lost by any amount. Similarly, the Clippers are listed at minus 405. So you could bet $405 to win $100, which seems a little risky in terms of payoff versus bet size, but does you does give you a better chance of winning your bet. Future odds. Now, I saw recently the Vikings are plus 5,000 to win the Super Bowl next year. That means if you bet $100 on the Vikings to win the Super Bowl right now, you would win $5,000 if they eventually do win the Super Bowl. And you take away two zeros from the the plus number in that case to find the odds. So they have 50 to 1 odds of winning the Super Bowl next year. So I'm telling you, there's a chance you can also bet on things like total points scored in a game. Sportsbooks will set a total combined number for both teams. You'll have to wager on whether you think the actual total will be less, the under, or more, the over. These are kind of fun, so I'm told, because it sort of lets you bet on what kind of game it's going to be, which to me seems a little less I don't know, volatile than a winner or loser with or without a point spread on a given night. Now, these sorts of wagers can also be infuriating, again, so I'm told, because weird things can happen and sure things can evaporate in garbage time. You can also do a parlay, multiple bets linked together in which you need to win all of them in order to cash your ticket, but that can involve big payoffs if you hit, say, 3, 4, 5, 20 bets. 
Tim and everyone else, I hope this gives you an overview of how to understand sports gambling. It's an enterprise that's growing. It is legal in Iowa and a lot of other states, and attempts to legalize it in Minnesota have been undertaken at various points and could be taken up in a serious way soon. It was not a dumb question, Tim. I assure you that. But if you feel like you have something that qualifies like this, please, I'd love to hear from everybody. And let's end things today with the cooler, as we always do. Timely here, based on that conversation I just had with Ben Gessling. New Todd McShay mock draft on ESPN.com just came out. Vikings at number 14. Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive tackle slash guard from USC, is the choice at this moment. I'm sure this will change, but timely considering our discussion of the offensive line. Um, McShay writes, uh, Minnesota will take a long look at the pass rushers on the board, and it might decide someone like TCU safety Trevor Morig is worth the grab here. But the Vikings offense starts with a good zone blocking scheme, and Vera Tucker excels there with a feel for angles and blocking in the second level. I like how Ezra Cleveland, last year's second rounder, has fit into the Minnesota offensive line puzzle, but more help is needed in protecting quarterback Kirk Cousins and springing running back Dalvin Cook on big runs. Plus, Vera Tucker can play tackle or guard. Sounds like a winner. Sounds like a good pick. It would be the fifth year in a row the Vikings have committed at least a third-round pick to the offensive line with mixed results, but at least they are trying to help. We'll see if this ends up being the pick. That will do it for today. Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery. Subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to Start Tribune, StartTribune.com. Listen tomorrow. Uh, I'm expected to be joined by ESPN front office insider Bobby Marks talking about the NBA, Timberwolves trade possibilities, things of that nature. Um, So that should be a fun one. Expected to be joined, too, by Jamal Mashburn Jr. from Gophers men's basketball team. We will talk to you again tomorrow.